I would suggest that you don't miss this coming Monday night because it is now official. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the WCW champion, is contractually obligated to be in the Georgia Dome this coming Monday night for Nitro to defend the WCW heavyweight title belt <laughs> against what I feel is the number one contender, Goldberg! Oh, oh yeah! Oh, yes! The man's got it! The man's got it! You want a war? You're gonna get one. Now get the guns! Welcome back to Reliving the War. Welcome back to the 6th of July, 1998, and welcome back to history. Tonight, Monday Night Rose live from the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. WWF Raw's War takes place in State College, Pennsylvania. You heard the announcement that was made by J.J. Dillon on Thunder. The undefeated Goldbergs getting a title shot tonight on Monday Nitro. So let's see what went down on both shows this week as we check out another important date of the Monday Night War. The sharply dressed commentators on Nitro were very excited tonight and all they can talk about is JJ's announcement on Thunder. Tony Schiavone reminds fans that Goldberg may be on this winning streak as of late but he's still going up against the leader of the NW tonight and one of the greatest world champions of all time. Hollywood Hogan then makes his way to the ring and the atmosphere in the Georgia Dome tonight is fantastic. It feels like a big pay-per-view and it's still insane to me that Monday Night Wrestling shows took place in venues like this, you know? So Hogan's now dealing with Diamond Dallas Page, Carl Malone and Bill Goldberg. He says he's got good news and he's got bad news. The good news, we're coming up to bash at the beach and Hogan's opponents are going to swim with the fishes. The bad news, tonight's world championship match is not going to happen. Goldberg's nobody, he's beaten a bunch of jabronis and Goldberg does not deserve a title shot. But Hogan's going to throw a bone to the one or two Goldberg fans in attendance tonight. A brother from the black and white who we haven't seen in a while is going to fight Billy Boy tonight on Monday Nitro. And if by some miracle Goldberg can beat this dude, then and only then will Hogan put on his wrestling boots and defend the championship. The crowd chanted Goldberg throughout most of the promo and they were loud, very loud. We'll find out who this mystery NWO guy is very soon, but next we've got some in-ring action. Booker T versus Dean Malenko. Booker put his TV title on the line in this one and it started off pretty well too with some usual back and forth action, but things looked a little bleak for Booker when he missed the top rope dropkick. Dean went on offense again, but Booker came back when he caught Malenko in mid-air for a spinebuster. Dean then takes a spinning back kick before getting up and sending both Booker and himself to the outside, but then the match ends when Chris Jericho causes a distraction. 
Jericho challenges Dean to come up the entranceway for a fight. Dean decides against it, but this allows Booker to hit an axe kick and Booker T wins. We then see Goldberg in the back warming up. Karl Malone talks about Rodman not showing up to Nitro last week, but he has no choice at Bash at the Beach this Sunday. And then Kenyon comes out to face Raven. Yeah, this is one you really would have kept for an upcoming pay-per-view, but WCW did not care about hotshotting on Monday nights at all. I think we've all gathered that by now anyway. Kenyon attacks during the entrances. In the ring, Raven takes a swinging neckbreaker and then the two share sleeper holds. Kenyon backdrops Raven out of the ring. Raven takes a bump at the guardrails. And back in the ring, Kenyon pulls off a fireman's carry into a flapjack and Raven lands on a steel chair. Raven ends up using that chair when he performs a superplex on his opponent. It looks like the flock's leader's about to steal a victory, but then Saturn hits the ring and the referee throws the match out, even though it was Raven's rules. Saturn and Kenyon are taking up later in the week on Thunder, but that doesn't stop Saturn hitting his partner with a Death Valley driver, though it appears that he didn't notice it was Kenyon he was taken out. Outside the arena, we see the arrival of Buff Bagwell. Buff Daddy's back on TNT, and he's being wheeled into the arena by another WCW legend, his mom, Judy Bagwell. We'll hear from Buff a little later on. DDP and Carmelone come out for a promo, and the audience absolutely loves Dallas tonight. DDP says this is going to be the worst night of Hollywood Hogan's life. Goldberg's gonna go through Hollywood on Nitro, and that means Hogan's gonna be a bruised up boy. At Bash at the Beach though, Hollywood's gonna be a banged up boy when DDP gets through with him. The mailman has a special delivery for Rodman at the pay-per-view. He says he's gonna whip Rodman like Madonna should've. He's gonna slap the paint out of Rodman's hair. Dennis is gonna know Carl as the Rodzilla killer. So at Bash at the Beach, get ready to feel the WCW then presented a random pre-tape with Steve McMichael talking about being in elite groups like the Four Horsemen and the Chicago Bears. A very serious promo from a very serious man. Scotty Riggs then took on Scott Putzky, the Battle of the Scots. Could this finally be the night where Parrot Riggs gets a singles victory on Monday Nitro? <laughs> no. Scott Putzky wins with what he calls the Putzky Bomb. And Tony Schiavone calls this the biggest win in Mr. Putzky's long and illustrious career. Before the end of R1, we again see Goldberg getting ready for his big match. And then we see Scott Hall arriving to the arena. It's sad that I've already said this twice during reliving the war, but Scott Hall has returned to WCW, and it's announced that the bad guy's gonna try and stop the Goldberg vs. Hogan match from happening. Hall vs. Goldberg for the US title also takes place tonight on Nitro. Before the action begins on Raw, The Undertaker hits the ring and he demands a WWF title shot tonight. He's not prepared to wait, he wants to fight Stone Cold Steve Austin. Michael Cole's looking for Austin backstage to see if the challenge is accepted, and it appears that Stone Cold isn't just accepting The Undertaker's challenge, but he's gonna fight the dead man right this moment. Austin gets in the ring, but Vince McMahon then appears and he tells the man to wait. The inmates are trying to run the asylum here, and that doesn't sit well with the chairman. Nobody named The Undertaker number one contender, Austin can't accept random challenges on TV because it's McMahon who books the title matches around here, but Vince is happy to let these guys fight if that's what they really want, although it's not going to happen the way Austin and Undertaker think. It fully loaded in your house, Austin and Undertaker are going to join forces as a team. It'll be these two against Kane and Mankind at the pay-per-view. 
And a little later on tonight, Vince will come to the ring to name the real number one contender for the WWF title. In the meantime, McMahon wants to salute Stone Cold, a salute that makes Austin leave the ring and chase McMahon back to the gorilla position. The in-ring action kicks off on Raw with a Brockus vs Savio Vega brawl for all match. On Nitro, Chris Jericho takes on Ultimo Dragon. So, <laughs> Brockus, remember this guy? He had a few pre-tape promos on Raw, but his debut was abandoned with WWF wanting him to get more in-ring experience. So he wrestled a ton of dark matches and live events, and he worked in ECW briefly before coming back to do even more house shows. He's finally arrived to Raw to make a statement in the brawl for all though. Sure would be simultaneously funny and sad if Vega kicked his ass tonight in this fight. Boxing gloves mean no nerve pinches for Savio, so Mr. Vega could be in trouble here. Savio fails to take Brockus down while Brockus successfully brings Savio to the mat so that's a point for Brockus. Savio then says F this and he completely lights Brockus up with a ton of punches. Some land, some don't, but Brockus definitely gets stunned and Savio almost gets a knockout. Big Brockus may look the part, but it goes to show that being a gym or steroid bro doesn't mean you can actually fight. I score round 1 at 5 points each. In round 2, there are no takedowns, just Brockus strangely keeping his hands down and allowing Savio to absolutely bother him. It's like the previous round completely messed with his psyche and he's now wishing he didn't step up to this warrior from Puerto Rico. Savio gains 5 points in round round 2. In round 3, Savio takes Brockus down, he puts him on the mat after a left hand and Brockus has no chance at all here, he's out on his feet. That's another 10 points for Vega, so in total Savio gets 20 points and Brockus gets 5. Savio Vega is now my pick to win this whole tournament. On Nitro, Jericho says he's facing Dean Malenko at Bash at the Beach, but the real number one contender is the man who beat him last week on Thunder, Rey Mysterio Jr. Yeah, check it out, Rey Mysterio made his debut on Thunder, he got bigger. James J. Bebe Dylan gets in the ring and he says tonight Jericho faces Ultimo Dragon and at Bash at the Beach, Jericho still faces Malenko. Dean then hits the ring as Dylan says there's to be no physicality between Malenko and Chris before Bash at the Beach or there'll be suspensions. So of course Jericho tries to bait Malenko in by saying his mom wears army boots and his dad would love to shake his hand if he wasn't already dead. My god. Dylan says Dean won't fall for this but then Jericho implies that Dean's dad slept with other women on the road and that's why Dean and his brother look nothing alike. Malenko snaps, he attacks Chris and so this probably means Malenko's lost his title match against Chris at Bash at the Beach. We take a commercial break, Dragon comes out for his match against Jericho, but Malenko attacks Chris again and it's getting pretty heated. Dean even pulls Jericho's hair out in the middle of the chaos and it all leads to Dean getting arrested. So not only has Malenko lost the chance to fight Jericho, he's also going to spend the night locked up with George's finest criminals and crackheads. Ken Shamrock vs Double J on Raw, Johnny Swinger vs Chavo Guerrero on Nitro. Tennessee Jamie Lee Curtis got all annoyed when Shamrock clotheslined Jarrett over the top rope and he helped Jarrett reach the bottom ropes when locked in a submission. Ken fell for the old clothesline spot when he chased Sweet T Lee around the ring while Jarrett hit at the apron. And back in the ring, Jarrett floored Ken with a short arm clothesline and a dropkick. 
Double J continued to excite fans with a monumental sleeper hold and he counters Kenny Boy's sleeper with a back suplex. So Ken gets up and he puts Jarrett down with a power slam and a jumping leg lariat. Just as Shamrock was about to pick up a victory, we get the WWF return of Mabel. Remember, the big man's also a former King of the Ring winner, how could we forget? So he's attacking Shamrock here because clearly Mabel thinks he was the best King of the Ring winner just like Owen and Triple H last week. After attacking Shamrock, Mabel leaves through the audience. Ken screams in the ring like someone just turned off his PlayStation before he got a chance to save his game. And backstage, Ken challenges Mabel to a match tonight on Raw. If Mabel's any kind of man, he'll face Kenny Boy in the ring. Johnny Swinger, with his HBK entrance attire purchased from Wish.com, says he's the hottest young commodity in wrestling today and we're going to find out why in this next matchup. Oh, I'm sure we will. Chavo comes out wearing a hard hat and holding a pair of scissors. No, he isn't looking to start trouble with Arn Anderson. He actually got a haircut from Uncle Eddie this past week on Thunder, but let's talk about this Thunder segment for a bit because no one ever brings it up. Chavo set up an, an Acme Eddie trap in the middle of the ring. That's right, he wanted, he wanted to capture his uncle in a box. For bait, he used a pretty flat burrito. He set the box on a stick that was tied to a string and Chavo waited on the outside with his little bow and arrow. Eddie didn't fall for the trap. Instead, he jumped Chavo from behind before smacking Chavo with the burrito bit and he then cut off a piece of Chavo's hair. So that's why Chavo's got a hard hat on and that's why he's carrying scissors. After beating the hottest young commodity in wrestling in around a minute, I'm not joking either, Chavo decides to cut some of Johnny Swinger's hair before issuing a challenge to Uncle Eddie. At Bash at the Beach, Chavo wants a hair versus hair match with Eddie Guerrero. You better have some tissues at the ready. Here comes the Disco Inferno and Das Wunderkind. Disco and Alex vs Public Enemy on Nitro, Vader vs Bradshaw and DOA vs The Headbangers on Raw. Tokyo Magnum's back out with Disco and Alex and he doesn't get attacked this time. Maybe Tokyo's rubbing off on the Dancing Fools. Get it? Rubbing off? Yeah. Public Enemy hit our heroes with backdrops and Alex finds himself in the wrong corner. Some double teamwork completely wrecks Alex's beautiful face, while the Disco Inferno takes a double back elbow and double elbow drop. Not a great start for Disco and Alex. Things get a bit scrappy when all four men get in the ring and Alex's big broadverse prevents him from nailing a spinning wheel kick properly, but Daz Wunderkind makes up for it with a falling power slam followed by a vaulting splash from the apron. Alex lays the boots in, we see some Saturday ride fever and our main man Mark Curtis isn't too amused. Disco tags in and he misses an elbow drop and he ends up taking a swinging neckbreaker and already Disco wants to tag out. In comes Alex and Rocco Rock. Rocco takes a double hip toss but the dancing fools take a double bulldog. Alex then gets set on a table but Tokyo Magnum saves his idol from getting completely decimated in the Georgia Dome. Does Wunderkin thanks Magnum by switching places with him, Disco and Alex leave while Magnum wonders where his new best friends are running off to and the public enemy decide to grab poor Tokyo and put him through the tables which are now stacked up. Disco and Alex then return and they launch an all out attack on Grunge and Rock and the referee ends up throwing the match out as public enemy get attacked with trash cans. And if this this doesn't lead to a title shot against Sting and Nash then I don't know what will. 
On Raw, you're hoping for Vader and Bradshaw to beat the hell out of each other and it was Bradshaw who got a little feisty during the opening moments of the match. The two end up in the corner where they exchange right hands and forearms and Jim Ross says this one won't last long if they stand there and keep doing this. Vader gets the better of Bradshaw but then Big Justin Hawk captures Vader in mid-air for a power slam. Just as things are heating up though, the match comes to a very abrupt end when Mankind and Kane hit the ring. Bradshaw and Vader get annihilated and I just remembered that these two are the number one contenders for the tag belts. Remember that battle royal a few weeks back? Yeah, hopefully WWF didn't forget about it either. The DOA then get brought to the ring by their new manager, Chief Michael Enjoyer Paul Ellering. The headbangers meanwhile try to impress viewers at home by pouring hot candle wax on themselves and I, you're hard mate, what do you want me to say? Ellering joins the commentary table and he says the LOD are prisoners of their own memories. They reflect back on the glory days but the time of the Legion of Doom has passed and Paul says, and I quote, it's the era of the computer, it's the era of the web, it's the era of DOA. Yo, what the hell does the DOA have in common with computers and the internet? Well, Paul says 8ball and Skull are one mind that he can program to do his bidding. He must shove a USB stick up their asses or something, I don't know. The fumes from those motorbikes must have made Paul Ellering high as a kite. The DOA win with this move here, there's no name for it, Jim Ross just says it's a tandem move with high impact. The DOA may have Paul Ellering, but they're still absolutely awful. D'Lo vs Terry Funk on Raw, over on Nitro, Buff Bagwell cuts a promo. So we've got full chest protector D'Lo on Raw, and remember guys, it's legal for D'Lo to wear this protective gear and we're gonna get reminded about that fact in every single match. A chest protector doesn't bring experience though as the crafty Terry Funk schools D'Lo in the opening portion of the match. D'Lo fires back and it doesn't take long for that chest protector to come into play when Funk takes a stinger splash. D'Lo then chops Funk on the chest and he challenges Funk to do the same. Terry may be middle aged and crazy but he's definitely not blind. D'Lo gets punched in the face instead and Terry then delivers a pile driver. Funk then hits D'Lo with a reverse Russian leg sweep. He throws D'Lo out of the ring and after hitting his opponent on the guardrail a few times, Terry performs an Asai moonsault. Back in the ring, Funk performs another moonsault and he makes sure to hit D'Lo on the back and not the chest. But in the end, the Godfather makes all the difference when he hits Funk with his gold chain. D'Lo then performs his low down frog splash and it's a big win tonight for the nation's longest serving member. Unfortunately, there's no time to celebrate because The Undertaker shows up and he chokeslams Dato and Godfather. Terry Funk thanks Taker for helping him out but Taker's not in the mood tonight so the Funker takes a chokeslam too. The Undertaker's sending a message tonight, he wants to be the number one contender. On Nitro, Buff Daddy makes his return and he gets a great ovation from the fans in attendance. His mom Judy brings him out for an interview with Mean Gene Okerlund and he looks a little frustrated with his current situation. Buff says he loves Atlanta, at one point Buff was laying on his back and not knowing if he'd ever see these fans again. He almost lost his life, but Buff's been taken back by the love fans have shown him since his in-ring accident. Bagwell then reveals that it was he who was supposed to be Scott Steiner's surprise guest tonight on NWO later but Buff's not gonna do it. 
He has a new perspective on life since getting injured and he thinks he and Scott should go their separate ways. Bagwell makes it clear that he's now in this for the fans and we get the feeling that Bagwell's gonna leave the NWO. Buff then puts Judy over. He says if he had 3 hours of Nitro to talk about how much he loves his mom, then he'd cost Ted Turner millions of dollars for going over time. And the promo wraps up with Buff confirming that he won't be Scott Steiner's guest. He thanks the fans again, he thanks his mom for looking after him, Bagwell says he's buff, he's still the stuff, and the crowd give buff a big babyface cheer as Bagwell's hand begins to shake uncontrollably. We might just have the next big babyface in the making ladies and gents, get well soon buff daddy. Here we go, Scott Hall vs Goldberg on Nitro, Vince McMahon's number one contender announcement on Raw. Vince wants to invite a few folks to the ring before he announces the number one contender for the WWF Championship. Mankind comes out, the big red machine Kane comes out, and The Undertaker steps into the ring to hear what Vince has to say. Vince says he feels Mankind's pain after what Foley went through at Hell in a Cell. McMahon publicly thanks Mick for everything he's done for WWF. And maybe it should be Mick getting this title shot after the work he put in at King of the Ring. McMahon then calls Kane stupid for what happened last week and he says it was dumb of Kane to give Austin a WWF title shot but anyone who says they'll set themselves on fire if they lose a match is fine in McMahon's book. So maybe Kane should be the number one contender. As for The Undertaker, well he may be a vile human being but he almost ended mankind's life and he did set his brother on fire in an inferno match. It also appears that Undertaker wants that championship belt more than life itself so Taker could be the one who ends Stone Cold's WWF title reign. So to settle this, tonight these three will compete in a triple threat match and the winner will be next in line for a WWF championship shot. That match is scheduled for tonight's main event. Over on Nitro, Scott Hall gets in the ring, he says, I'm the shit and yes Scott, yes you are. Goldberg's in his hometown tonight though and the pop Billy Boy gets is nothing short of amazing. The fans want to see Goldberg succeed tonight. Scott toys with Goldberg at the beginning of the match and this isn't the last time it happens either. Listen to the crowd pop though when Goldberg shoves Scott to the mat. This is a US title Bye bye. Scott gets in a few shoulder thrusts, he slaps Goldberg around a little, and the crowd again pops when Goldberg takes Scott down. Now, this is the part where I think Goldberg gets a little annoyed with Hall. Listen to these chops. I get the feeling that Goldberg didn't take too kindly to getting hit so hard by the bad guy because Scott then tries to Irish whip him and Goldberg hangs on, only to throw Scott into the ropes as hard as he can. When Scott falls on the mat, Goldberg grabs him by the neck and he says something before letting him go. It's almost like Goldberg told Scott he wasn't playing games when Scott was clearly going in there to have fun, maybe at his opponent's expense. The two start slapping each other around and it doesn't look too friendly either. Goldberg hits Scott with a falling power slam and now Bill's looking pretty intense. Scott gets to his feet and he decides to spit on his opponent. Goldberg shoves Scott down to the mat a few more times but Scott gets a chance to fight back when Goldberg misses a corner charge. Goldberg takes a back suplex, the bad guy lays in a few right hands, things were going alright for Scott but then Goldberg performs an armbar takeover and two arm drags. And then on the outside Scott decides to call in the troops, he's had enough. Vincent, Kurt Hennig and the disciple walk down to the ring but DDP and Karl Malone take them out. Scott meanwhile fights his opponent off and he hits Goldberg with a big clothesline. 
Scott says it's over, the streak ends now. He sets Goldberg up for the outsider's edge, but Goldberg counters with a back body drop. Goldberg spears Scott, he lifts Scott up and we see the jackhammer. Goldberg defeats Scott Hall on Monday Nitro, and that means Goldberg vs Hollywood Hogan for the heavyweight title happens tonight in the main event. The commentators say this is 107-0, and guess what, they're right this week, they've caught up. They added a phantom win because Goldberg did not compete since Nitro last week, so Goldberg is officially 107 wins in 0 by our count and by WCW's count. If he beats Hogan tonight, he'll be 108 and 0. We've got Draws vs Hawk in a Brawl for All contest next on Raw. On Nitro, Psychosis takes on Juventud Guerrera. I was about to say it's dangerous putting Road Warrior Hawk in this Brawl for All tournament, what with the Road Warriors being seen as badasses and all that, but really their reputation has been so badly damaged over this past year that it hardly even matters at this point. Hawk and Draws have a decent fight here though. The Road Warrior throws a ton of punches at the beginning of round 1 and Draws seems a bit hesitant at first, but a straight ride from Puke shows Hawk that the newcomer means business and he's not intimidated. Draws then misses a big right hook and like Brockus earlier on, he doesn't put his hands up, giving Hawk the chance to lay in a few easy shots. Draws takes another hard shot in the corner but he comes back with one of his own. Hawk's mouth guard comes out, referee Danny Hodge puts it back in, and Draws tries to take down just before the bell rings. I'd give Hawk 5 points for most punches here and that's it. The takedown was just a little too late. Draws blocks a takedown at the beginning of round 2, he then hits Hawk with a straight right hand and Hawk replies with two of his own, the first one getting more than the second. Draws then knocks Hawk into the corner with a right hook, yet he doesn't stay on his opponent for some reason. Hawk just walks back out and the fight continues on. Draws then hurts his right hand when it connects with Hawk's face. Hawk loses his mouth guard again, but Hodge doesn't get a chance to put it back in. The two continue to throw punches until the end of round two, and that was a tough one to score. I think Hawk threw more punches even though Draws's were more effective, so it's another five points to Hawk. Round 3 begins and Hawk starts it off with more punches that lack control but they still connect. His mouthpiece falls out again so Draws spits his own guard out to even the playing field. Fair play lads, fair play. There's no takedowns here, just two men trying to knock each other out and again I think Hawk landed more punches than Draws. I score every round 5 points to Hawk but the judges call it a draw. The punches Draws landed definitely did more damage but Hawk landed more in my opinion. On Nitro, the fans were treated to a Psychosis vs Hoovy cruiserweight match, but everyone in attendance was still coming down from that Goldberg match. The commentators, meanwhile, were riding high on the fact that Goldberg's got himself a world title shot, and they didn't discuss the cruiserweight match at all. Honestly though, it was standard fare inside the ring. Hoovy performed a dive in Hurricane Rana and he followed it up with this crazy dive out of the ring. Not to be outdone, Psychosis performed a slingshot that sent Guerrera right over the ropes and his senton from the top to the outside looked great too, but it wasn't enough. Hoovy Driver 450, Juventud Guerrera wins another one and as a reward he and Psychosis get beaten down by the flock. Brilliant. The crowd didn't care much to be honest and neither did I. Jacqueline cuts a promo on Raw and we've also got Val Venus vs Dustin Runnels. On Nitro we've got uh, the Giant vs Jim Duggan, alright. So Jackie says it was her fault that Marvelous Mark got beat last week in the Brawl for All. Meryl went 12 rounds with Jackie during their 2 month anniversary and Meryl's tank was empty. I really hope they had a good referee for that one. 
According to Jacqueline, Mero had been deprived for a very long time before Jackie came into his life. Sable wasn't able, she looks good but there's no motor under the hood, she couldn't shift the gear when Mark was ready to steer, and by god, could Jackie be the new queen of old Chinese proverbs? You better watch out there Hollywood. Sable comes out and she says she's always had the pedal to the metal, it's just that Mark's tire was always flat. <laughs> Jackie says that her body is primo real estate, Sable wonders how many times Jackie's rented it out. So there's only one way to settle this, bikini contest at fully loaded. Jackie issues the challenge and Sable says don't just blow it, show it. That doesn't make sense, is Jackie supposed to pull out Mark's wee marvellous… never mind. But the challenge has been accepted and Jerry the King Lawler got a semi just thinking about the pay per view. Speaking of semis, we see a replay of Mrs Yamaguchi looking straight at Val Venus's little pecker last week, so the streets say she's dehydrated and really thirsty. Dustin Runnels prays that someone will one day look at him that way but for now he has to take on the big Val Boski and put Mr Venus in his place. He tries to shake hands with Val but Val doesn't know where those hands have been. Venus goes on the attack and he hits a running knee strike in the corner followed by a few right hands. Dustin tries to fight back but Venus is on form tonight and the former Goldust gets his head slammed on the mat. Val hits a side rushing leg sweep, he goes to gyrate over the lifeless body of Dustin Runnels, but then Kai and Tai launch an attack and the big Val Boski goes floppy. Mr and Mrs Yamaguchi head to the ring as Dick Togo pulls off his senton bomb, and while Kai and Tai hold Venus up, Yamaguchi-san says that Val Venus is half the man he is in broken English. Yamaguchi says Val's hello ladies catchphrase is no more as he smacks Venus across the face, and Val's left all alone as Kai and Tai leave the ring. It looks like Mrs Yamaguchi might be a little concerned about Val Venus though. Jim Duggan's back on Nitro and he's taken on the giant, meaning we've got another predictable matchup on Nitro that's just filling up time until we get to the big main event. Fair play to Duggan though, still getting out there in front of record TV audiences and doing the job. Old Hacksaw getting that money. He gets in a few right hands at the opening bell but a big boot sends Duggan down. The Jan kicks Hacksaw on the corner before missing the butt cheek blaster, but Hacksaw fails to lift the Jan for a slam and the big man makes Duggan pay. Jan misses an elbow drop though, Hacksaw hits a clothesline from a three point stance, Duggan then goes for the old glory knee drop but he jumps into Jan's fist instead. Duggan takes a choke slam, Jan wins via pinfall and then Jan grabs a microphone. He says Kevin Green's pathetic and he challenges Green to change the botch at the beach tag match. Jan thinks Goldberg should stay out of it and instead the Jan should face Green in a one on one match at the pay per view. Green shows up completely dripped out, Brad isn't here tonight so someone's gotta do it. He spits on the giant, Jan tries to take Green's head off but Kevin ducks out of the way and Jan gets clotheslined out of the ring. The Bash at the Beach match does get changed by the way and it's now a one on one match. Almost like WCW made a last minute change due to what happens during this episode of Nitro. D-Generation X cut a promo on Raw, on Nitro Jim Nighthart takes on DDP, it's so random. So DX are dressed up like the nation and this is a promo that's been completely removed from WWE Network and Peacock. 
agree with it or disagree with it, that's your call. I'm not here for social commentary and I'm not here to try and sway you one way or the other. I'm just here to talk about what went down. We have got the Croc Triple H, Belo or Below Road Dog, Godfather Mr. Ass, Mizark Henry X-Pog and Jason Sensation is Owen Hart. Jason was a fan whose wrestling impersonations got back to WWF and they liked what he could do. So they brought him in for a few appearances, he's really good by the way. The Croc shows off his people's eyebrows, the crowd pop. He says the Croc just came back from the bathroom and you should have smelled what the Rock was cooking. He's not faking, you should have smelled what the Rock was baking. The Rock was baking, brother was baking. <laughs> look at, look at Delo, he's the man. Belo gets down for a people's elbow and when the Croc stops mid motion to continue his promo, the crowd pops again. He says when the Rock hits rock bottom with the ladies, he has no choice but to lay the smackdown on himself. You hear that? Jason Sensation then says enough is enough and it's time for a change and he sounds just like Owen Hart it's unreal. He wonders why he's wearing this ridiculous outfit because he looks just like a road sign. He tried to be a tough guy but he couldn't grow in his beard. And if anybody smells what the rock is cooking it's me. Look how big my damn nose is! <laughs> Mizark then takes the mic and he says he doesn't know what the rock's cooking. It smells like shit but he'll eat it anyway. At this point you can see Triple H trying his best not to laugh but he holds it in. The croc wants to know how Mark gets his pecs to go all around his back like that. What he wants to know is how- Shut, Shut up! up. <laughs> the croc wraps it up by saying DX have two words for the nation and there you have it. Again I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about this so let's respect both sides of the argument. It is one of the more talked about promos of the Attitude Era though that's for sure. Over on Nitro we're seriously filling up time at this point aren't we? Jan vs Duggan, DDP vs Anvil. What I should also point out here is the fact that Nitro's seriously rushing these final matches out the gate before the main event. This match and the next match get hardly any time at all. Malone's here with Dallas tonight, Anvil wins the initial lockup and Dallas takes some punishment in the corner, but Jim celebrates afterwards and this was a mistake. DDP gives Jim a few shots in the corner but Jim swings it back in his favour by hitting a low blow while Mark Curtis wasn't paying attention. Dallas gets whacked across the back, the anvil bites DDP's forehead. Jim puts Dallas in a full Nelson but Paige hits Anvil with a low blow and then we see the diamond cutter. DDP wins via pinfall, a short but adequate warm up match for Bash at the Beach later in the week. We've got that Mabel vs Ken Shamrock match up next on Raw. On Nitro, Sting and Flexi Lexi take on Sick Boy and Kidman. The big man's in his full King Mabel gear and he puts a stop to Ken's attack early on with a punch to the ribs. Mabel performs a shoulder block and look at how angry our guy is here, come on man chill out. Mabel drops an elbow on Kenny Boy, he catches a Shamrock crossbody and he performs a backbreaker. His running corner attack misses though and Ken builds his comeback with a diving back elbow and a spinning wheel kick. Mabel replies though by putting the king of the ring down again with a clothesline. A falling power slam does more damage to those ribs and Mabel goes to end it with an aerial attack. He jumps, Shamrock catches his arm and we then see the ankle lock and King Mabel taps out. Shamrock looks like he's possessed as he keeps the ankle lock applied, that must be one tasty ankle right there. Commissioner Buzzkill and a few officials force Shamrock to let go but Kenny Boy lands a few punches just to show he means business tonight. A fantastic return for Mabel though, <laughs> great work. 
Overall, Nitro, the Wolfpack have the audacity to cut a promo before their match, even though they have been clearly instructed to make this match as quick as possible. It's the usual Wolfpack in the house stuff, and Conan's usual spiel gets cut off by Kidman and Sick Boy hitting the ring. Here's what happens. Sting wipes out both members of the flock with clotheslines, atomic drops, and drop kicks. Luger realizes he better get in there and do something, so he fumbles around while Sting sets up a stinger splash on both opponents. Sting then hits a scorpion death drop on Kidman, Sick Boy gets locked in a torture rack, Sick Boy submits even though Lex wasn't the legal man, and there you have it. The flock were made to look like absolute enhancement talents against the wolf pack, and yeah, Sting and Lex are WCW originals for sure, but I really don't think Kidman and Sick Boy deserve to get destroyed in a matter of seconds like this. A Wolfpack promo would have been just as effective here I think, but I'm guessing Sting and Lex were advertised for the show. Not great though, not great at all. It's time for our main events, Mankind vs Undertaker vs Kane on Raw, Hollywood Hogan vs Goldberg on Nitro. Vince McMahon joins the commentary table for this one and the boss isn't happy when the glass shatters and Stone Cold decides to put a headset on. Austin says he just wants to see who wins this triple threat contest and yeah, I'm getting the feeling of deja vu here. Mankind makes his entrance, Kane makes his entrance, but The Undertaker doesn't show up. He gets introduced twice but the Phenom doesn't appear for this pretty important main event. Vince says something's wrong, he takes his headset off and he talks to the ring announcer, and it looks like Vince is giving out some orders as usual. Tony Schimmel repeats what Vince McMahon just told him into the microphone. Due to the fact that The Undertaker is not here because he is chick chicken McMahon's ordered Kane and Mankind to wrestle a one-on-one -on -one match to determine the number one contender. It's gonna be a false count anywhere match and Mankind clearly wants no part of it. Foley sits beside the ring steps and he says he's given enough, he won't give McMahon any more, and under no circumstances will he fight his friend Kane tonight on Raw. McMahon doesn't care, he orders for the match to begin before going back to the commentary desk, and even Kane seems a little hesitant here but McMahon screams for Kane to begin the bout. Kane takes a steel chair and McMahon tells Kane to blast Mick Foley. So Mick Foley takes a hard chair shot, Kane brings Mick back into the ring, he gets the pinfall victory, and so Kane becomes the number one contender once again for the WWF title. Kane then removes his mask and by god king, that wasn't Kane, it was The Undertaker. Goldberg gets his first ever full security entrance, we see his full walk from the locker room to the ring, and while this would become more commonplace as time went on, it did make this match feel a bit more special. Bobby Heenan's putting Goldberg over like crazy and that's something I haven't brought up before. It felt like Heenan was Goldberg's number one supporter at times due to how excited Bobby would get during Goldberg's matches. Without a doubt, the brain helped the perception of Bill Goldberg and it's something that he didn't get any credit for. Hogan gets in the ring, the two square up to each other and credit to Hogan, he's not hamming it up half as much as usual. The crowd's fired up, the two circle the ring, they lock up and Goldberg applies a headlock. Hollywood goes down after a shoulder block and the Georgia Dome erupts. Hogan then applies a front face lock, he covered himself in deep heat before the match and it gets in Goldberg's eyes. Goldberg would say that Hogan did this intentionally just to mess him about. Still, Goldberg continues on with a classic test of strength and the crowd are into it. Hogan takes the easy way out by going to the ropes for a break, 
The Hulkster then gets in a few strikes and he brings Goldberg down to one knee. Hollywood takes off his weight belt, he begins whipping Goldberg, and things aren't looking too good for the challenger at the moment. But Goldberg gets up, he takes the weight belt away from Hulk, and instead of giving him a receipt, Goldberg throws the belt away. Bill Goldberg does not need weapons, brother. Hollywood gets put in a full Nelson and Hulk performs a low blow, a spot we just saw in the Anvil vs DDP match. Hogan clotheslines Goldberg, he chokes him on the mat. Goldberg then gets body slammed, but he dodges two elbow drops and Hollywood then gets clotheslined. Hulk stays on the outside and he takes this opportunity to get his belt back. The two lock up again in the ring. Hogan knees Goldberg in the corner before throwing him to the outside. And it's here where Hogan uses a steel chair. Goldberg takes a few shots, but referee Charles Robinson lets it slide. This match is gonna continue. The two get back in the ring and it looks like it's all over for Goldberg. Hogan hits him with two leg drops and we see Kurt Hennig coming down to the ring for a little NWO insurance. DDP and Carl Malone then appear and Kurt gets taken out with a diamond cutter from Malone and back in the ring, Goldberg's back on his feet. We see the spear. Bobby Heenan says the Georgia Dome's gonna erupt when Goldberg lifts Hogan up for a jackhammer. Goldberg performs his finisher and we have a new WCW World Heavyweight Champion on Nitro. Look at this image, look at the hands in the air throughout the audience as far as the eye can see. Watching this back, I don't think many fans really believe that the title would change hands on this night and maybe Goldberg would win via disqualification or something like that, but Bill wins the world title and the crowd reaction is undeniable. Goldberg celebrates and the production guys turn off his theme music so the Goldberg chants get amplified throughout the dome. It's a fantastic ending to WCW Nitro for sure. And yes, I know, booking themselves into a corner, others deserve the belt, it was hot shotting to get a TV rating. Goldberg was unproven, I know, I know. But if you stop looking into the future for just a few minutes and if you take this all in for what it is, forget all the politics then and forget all the internet nonsense now. This is, without question, one of the most remarkable moments in the history of WCW Monday Nitro. Nitro wins reliving the war this week. Raw was good, but this week's Nitro is very, very significant. And it's an episode of Nitro that can't be skipped over if you want to relive the whole Monday Night War. WWF did counter the Georgia Dome show quite well. Raw was once again very story driven, with even more layers getting added to the WWF championship angle. Nitro did have issues with matches getting rushed towards the end of the telecast, but Nitro is still the recommended show this week. It's a show that exemplifies the popularity of pro wrestling during the Monday Night War. Raw's on 66 points, Nitro's on 59 and we've got 16 ties. Nitro defeated Raw in the TV ratings this week, their first win since April. WCW got a 4.8 and Raw got a 4. This week was one of those episodes that I always thought was so far away when I first began this series. One of those nights I always thought about and said to myself, Yo, one day I might even make it to the big 1998 Georgia Dome show, you know? And that's it over. I feel pretty accomplished but also pretty sad that it's now been completed. But we have more big nights to look forward to as the war continues on. It's thanks to you guys that I've made it this far because if this series totally tanked then it probably would have been abandoned but we, you and I, are gonna see this through to the very end and I'm still as excited for reliving the war as I was back in the early days. 
This week we have got Bash at the Beach 1998, Malone and DDP versus Hogan and Rodman. We have also got Chavo versus Eddie to look forward to at that show, plus Bret Hart versus Booker T for the television title. I hope you join me later in the week for the big pay-per-view in San Diego. Thank you very, very much for watching Reliving the War and take care. Knock it